our caller is on the line. Our caller is on the line. He is the one, the only minister, author, activist, Christopher Signal. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. How y'all doing this morning? Are we good, man? How, how are you doing? <laughs> No oh, man, we just keep it moving, man. There's so much going on, man. I just learned to keep the wheels rolling. <laughs> this is me and Chuck this morning, Chris. That's it. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> y'all, y'all riding a two-man party, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> Amen. Amen, bro. But we're so uh, so glad that you're here with us this morning, man. So um, a special segment, man, that we wanted to... Um, I actually go over you and I were talking a uh, week before last and it, and it came up in regards to Dr. King's uh, letter, but I'll let you take the lead. Go ahead, sir. No, no, go right ahead. And I sent you guys a link on your, uh, on your, yeah, your I, Facebook. I, I have it. Yep. I have it up right now. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll be referring to a couple pages in there. Both of you, I sent it to Chuck and to UID. So you all, you all have it there, but this letter really brings into context a lot of things that's going on, even in Philadelphia right now. We see uh, there's this big protest going on surrounding the rapper Meek Mill. Yes. You know, and uh, and many people are split on the issue. There are some people that are saying, are you kidding me? This guy who used to, you know delve into drugs and do all these negative things he was put on probation he didn't keep his nose clean he needs to go back to jail then there's another part of the community that says well yeah he did make mistakes and yes he did uh, mess up and do things wrong however there were some things done in the criminal justice system and the process that wasn't right so regardless of whatever a person does, there still needs to be processes that are reflective of fundamental fairness and, uh, and fundamental justice. And you can't put one on top of the other. And I think that's the, that's the dangerous path that, uh, that has taken place. And I know you guys have heard some of that uh, based, upon, based upon a lot of the discussion that's going on. Is that, is that still alive and well there now? They had a rally. It is alive and well, man, because basically, I mean, with Meek Mill, it's just a thing of, like you said, it's still due process. We can't, because we may feel like, oh, wow. But who would be dumb enough to do that knowing that they already are, you know, on probation? Who would be? It, it doesn't matter. You still have to follow the law. You just, you just can't as a cop or as a, um, as a judge say, you know, the max we can give you is three years, but I'm going to give you 10 because that's what I feel like you should have. And I understand they had uh, Dr. J was there. I understand uh, there were several elected officials that were there as well. Yeah, and that there were several uh, noted celebrities that were that were there, a part of that, a part of that process as well. And and again, as as you drove home, the issue is really about justice, regardless of where you stand on the specific allegations of what he was accused of. It's about fundamental fairness. Amen. And I think everybody has everybody has a day. Everybody has a right to be treated equally and fair. And when they're not treated fair. Then there is a key problem, and that really brings um, into context the essence of what Dr. King had to say many years ago. 
And, and, and it just shows you that although time has passed and decades have passed, we're still facing the same reality in our generation today. So Dr. King was sitting in a prison in 1963 in Birmingham, Alabama, and he was going into one of his campaigns, what he did. A lot of people really didn't know what Dr. King did. He had a civil rights organization that he was over called the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And the Southern Christian Leadership Conference really went to various cities. They started out in the South, but then they had a national and international focus to really address issues of injustice, segregation in various cities in the South. The South was still living under the umbrella of what we call Jim Crow laws. What Jim Crow laws is, and I don't want to go into an information overkill. I'll get to where we're going. But after the Civil War, you had the North versus the South, and you had a very brief period called Reconstruction, where the federal mm -hmm. government stepped in and they put in place a lot of processes so that the new slaves would be fully integrated into American society. Uh, black colleges were founded. They, they negotiated labor contracts and things like that. Well, after Lincoln died and another president came in, Johnson, they, they, they moved to now the federal government moving away from the South. So although slavery was abolished, although there was a 13th Amendment that abolished slavery, many states in the South passed legislation that still segregated that body of laws that was passed in the South that still put in place segregation was called Jim Crow laws. And those laws kept the federal government out and allowed many states in the South to get around integration by passing their own set of laws. So Dr. King was alive during the time where Jim Crow laws were alive and well in the South. So his organization sought to combat those and fight those through a practice called nonviolent direct action. Nonviolent direct action or civil disobedience is when you go into a city and you deliberately break an unjust law to bring national attention, to show that it was unjust, and to stir up uh, conversation and tension to get people involved in that process. Mm. So that was his strategy. So now he's sitting in this prison in Birmingham, Alabama, which he was incarcerated many, 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 many times for deliberately breaking laws. And he writes, he writes a, a letter, rather, that illustrates the state of the campaign and where are things at. Now, what makes this letter so pivotal and so transformative is, is he's very candid now. He's very candid mm -hmm. in pointing out what the concerns are in the African-American community. And he's fighting against many people that are using the same argument that you hear today. Well, I think what's going on in the South is wrong, but I don't like the manner in which you're fighting against it. Yes, we believe it's unjust, but we don't believe in breaking laws. It was this idea that, hey, yeah, there is a problem, but we don't like the way you're handling it. So I'm going to spend all of my attention fighting against how you're fixing the problem as opposed to the problem itself. Mm -hmm. You know, we saw this with the shootings that took place a couple years ago where mm -hmm. many people said, well, yeah, I think the shootings are wrong. And yeah, I think these young men shouldn't be killed by law enforcement. And yeah, I think it's bad, but I don't like the way they're handling it. So the question becomes, well, what are you doing about the problem? Instead of criticizing my approach to fixing it, what approach are you doing? Mm -hmm. So it was on this back 
backdrop that Dr. King wrote this letter. Now think about it. He wasn't in the library. This letter was very pivotal, very transformative. Mm -hmm. Now I want to refer to page four, the very last paragraph. Page four, the very last paragraph. Dr. King makes a very, very pivotal statement. This is what he says now on that backdrop. And I'm quoting from the letter. He says, I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's greatest stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. He's saying, mm. I'm in the South mm. fighting against nonviolent direct action, fighting against the Ku Klux Klan, but they're not the problem. Mm -hmm. He said the problem is many other believers, both Jewish and Christian, who will sit back and not do anything about the problem in the name of being moderate. And many people will say this is the challenge today. Now, what makes the letter controversial, because he does get into the concept of a black church and a white church, and some will say that there is no black church and white church. There yeah. is one church, and, and you know there is one body of Christ, and we don't want to be divisive. But he was he was making the case at that point that there were many Caucasian believers, and this really was the heartbeat of his letter. Mm -hmm. and he gave background on nonviolent direct action and those sorts of things. But the heartbeat of his letter was is that there were some who weren't getting involved in the fight, and they were making it worse. Mm -hmm. It was almost as if if you're not saying anything about a problem, you're indirectly supporting that problem and making it worse. Don't say you don't like what's happening. Don't say you got a problem with poverty. Don't say you got a problem with what's going on in the school systems. But you're not offering a viable uh, uh, alternative to fix it. You're criticizing those that are being affected by the problem. You can't stomp and kick a person and then tell them that they're screaming too loud. Well, I'm screaming loud because of the way I've been, you know, because of the pressure and the stomp that's, uh, that's come a part of that. And that's really the, 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 the tension of this particular note, he addresses um, on, on uh, page three, mm -hmm. paragraph two, which is another powerful paragraph, page three, paragraph two, which is the question of, wait, why don't you wait? Why don't we have to do it? You know, why, why do you have to do it now? Why don't we wait till a later time? He says, frankly, I have yet to engage in a direct action campaign that was well-timed in the view of those who have not suffered unduly. So in other words, he's saying, if you have not been the victim of what's going on, then you don't understand mm -hmm. why there is a demand to act now. Yeah. It's the same thing with Meek Mill. You know, some people are saying, why are they out there in the street? Why are all these people coming? Because they feel it. They interact with the criminal justice system on a regular basis. They know what it's like to have a family member sentenced to jail for 15 to 20 years for a crime they didn't do. Yes, you may have robbed a store. Yes, you may have done these things and i'm not making light of that but that does not mean that if you're innocent of a particular crime you should just be uh, uh, automatically assumed because you live in a certain neighborhood or come from a certain place and so dr king is really placing a a uh, demand and emphasis and showing why you cannot wait when it's time to fight for justice 
he even goes on, and I won't I won't go too deeper into that point. But he also references Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to show that civil disobedience, deliberately disobeying a direct order, even had biblical precedence. Mm-hmm. Think about it. When Jesus came along, he said, "I'm Lord and Master," and many of the uh, Orthodox Jews said, "Are you crazy?" Who was this guy? He talking about before Abraham was, I am. That was like complete disrespect yeah. to the Jewish regime. Yes, you know, Shadrach and Meshach didn't bow. He's like, who are these guys? Yeah. <laughs> who, who, who y'all think y'all are? <laughs> you know, so in many respects, that's where, that's what, what makes Dr. King's letter so relevant now. Yeah. Because although it's 50 years later, not much has changed. And many people still get caught up in Let's handle it the right way and let's handle it a peaceful way. And I tell people, you know, America as a nation was founded based upon a war. Mm-hmm. You know, the rockets, red glare, the bombs bursting in the air. That's war terms. That's, yeah. that's how we got our independence as a nation based upon, you know, fighting Great Britain. So there are some things that, that will require that. And I think it's, I, I, I'm always leery. If I'm not impacted by a problem or if I'm not impacted by an issue of telling those who are impacted by that issue how they ought to respond to it. Mm-hmm. Most of You know, it's easy for me to look at injustice, let's say, in, in Mexico or some, you know, or another third world country somewhere, Venezuela or whatever the case may be, and say they shouldn't act that way. But I'm like, unless you're standing in that fire yeah. that they are. Exactly. You'll never understand the pain of that reality. Yeah. So I just caution people to really, to really take concern with that. And sometimes it does take us being candid, as 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 Dr. King was in this note. He really challenged uh, many, many people with this letter. But it was very timely then, and I believe it's even still timely now. Yeah. Amen. What, what page is this? Um, so it has to be page eight. It's the it's the paragraph before last, and he says, uh, "He says, I hope the church as a whole will meet the challenge in this decisive hour. But even yeah. if the church does not come to the aid of justice, I have no despair about the future. I have no fear about the outcome of our struggle in Birmingham, even if our, our motives are at present being misunderstood. So he's like this, like, yo, all right. He's, he's, he's wrapping things up like, all right, if you, even if you don't come, I'm still going to believe in God. I'm still, I'm still going to press forward. And to see him at this, at this point and he's in jail and, and you're a believer. And I know we all are growing at different, uh, different, different paces and everything. And I, and I look at, I, I'm reading this. I'm like, this applies so much to today. As you said, it's like, it's the same thing going on. And it, it, it's, it's, it just shows that we as a, as a unit, the body of Christ have not really band together. It's like we should just stand for what's right, period, and let it and let and let the chips fall where they may. Just like they said, well, you know, Meshach, Shadrach, and Bendo, and, and and um and David, not David, I'm I'm Daniel. They all served. Yeah, they all served, but they made they made it like this. Yeah, I served, but let me tell you something. We ain't bound down. I still don't agree with you. Right. It's like the unjust stuff we're not going to do. Exactly. But today we don't do that. We just right. be quiet. Like, I'm going to be quiet on this, though. Like, I'm going to serve under this uh, uh, regime. R- regime of a Republican, Democrat or independent. I'm going to be a, a right wing conservative, ultra conservative. I'm going to do all this. But I'm still, you know, and I'm not going to say anything about injustice. 
And I'm like, do you really, if you feel that way, tell me what you think Christ would do. Just tell me, don't put yourself out of the equation and just tell me what Christ was, would do. And then the second question I was asked, do you agree with Christ? Just tell me what he would do first and then tell me if you agree with him. Because if you agree with him, that means that, you know, whatever whatever he would do, you would do. It's almost like every biblical, every person at the Bible chronicles, they were at odds with the government structure of their time. <laughs> exactly. Right. Not even the enemies, but their own people. <laughs> exactly. It, it was like they were they were ostracized. I mean, look at look at what Moses did when he came back down from the, you know, from being in the presence of God. He said, what are y'all doing? <laughs> right. You know, and it's, it, it's almost like we've lost that sense of ministry and lost that sense of reality and don't really understand, you know, when you're really taking a stand for Christ, you're not going to fit in either side. You're not going to fit in either side. Tell me. And I, I think, um, Chris, uh, I think a lot of times we get, um, I'm trying to search for the right words here. I think we get icon happy. It's like, I want to follow this person. Yeah. It's like, I want to follow that person. It's like the disciples saying, well, they're not your disciples. They're John the Baptist's disciples. He's like, are they casting out devils? <laughs> He's like, then we're on the same side. It's like, it's like we, we get so right. mixed up with, okay, who's the cultural icon or the cultural pastor or the apostle that I recognize that I want to follow? Yeah. Like, you're, you're, you're totally lost on the concept of what they're fighting for. You're just following just to, because yeah. your icon is following. Yeah. Well, well, you know, doing the thing or whatever. Yeah. And, it's, and, and I think it's bad even for some of those leaders because some of them have reached a place where they're beyond correction. When, when, when you've reached a place where no one can check you, <laughs> it's dangerous. Isn't yes. it? Bro, I've been saying that for years, man. Seriously. That's, when, when, when you reach the place where you've become so big that nobody can call you out and nobody can check you, and it's like you've become such a celebrity within the body of Christ. I always say, exactly. Peter preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost. But when Paul had to check him, mm -hmm. so you anointed, you, you said, men and brethren, that Acts 2 sermon Peter preached was powerful. But Paul said, there's some errors of your life that's not right in a public venue. Because what you did was public. And I just fear that we have reached a celebrity status, Chuck, which is so dangerous right now. Yeah. So dangerous. And it's funny because I'm kind of aloof about what celebrities are doing because I don't invest in the corrupt. <laughs> if right. you're a celebrity, you, you're you not God. So I don't really invest in what yeah. Jay-Z says or does. I'm not invested in what certain celebrity preachers say or do. I'm not invested in, in the corrupt. <laughs> I'm invested in the incorruptible. Yeah. Well, so and, well said. That, and, and most people, I think, have lost that. They wanna, they wanna keep up with the Joneses and hear from this person and be a part of that person. I think it's that human desire to be accepted and the human desire to be a part of something, and not really seeking God for His purity. You know what I mean? And I think it's, it's, it's very dangerous. This is a very dangerous place. Even with Dr. King, and he, you know what we're looking at him, but even he had some close associates that had to challenge Dr. King on some things. Yeah, you know, and some didn't didn't like that. But one of his closest person, Ralph David Abernathy, he said, "Hey, you a man, you you are a prophet of God. You're doing wonderful things, but we got a couple areas over here that that we need to call you out on." And I think that's a healthy thing. It is that's a healthy, a very thing. healthy thing. It is, it it, it is, but we don't. We all we're always concerned 
it's like we love to, I hate to call it theatrical, but we, it's like we just love the, you know, I'm a this and, you know, no one can check me, but, but, but a prophet of the prophet of the prophet. It's like, yo, 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 yo. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's like this. If, if I, if you know that the building's on fire, wake me up. I, I don't need a prophet of the prophet of the prophet to wake me up. I don't care if you're a baby. I don't care. You get what I'm saying? Like, don't let the dog right. run in the room. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like, come on, man. Come on. Because cause my thing is just that, what about righteousness? What about it? You know what I mean? We all want to talk about, I'm a, I serve a God who's a God of holiness. But then when it's time to do the right thing, you turn your ear and your head to people. But but I do believe God has given us a mouth and God has given us a voice. And God is saying when we see certain things, sometimes it's incumbent upon us to really to really speak out against some of the injustices that we do in society and understanding what becomes a part of that. Mm. You know, true preaching is not going to make you popular. It's yeah. not going to make you a celebrity official. They said it, we talked about this last time. They said in Dr. King's later years in life, he couldn't get more than 200 people in the room. He wasn't packing out the National Mall. You know, when he when he started really delving into the whole poverty piece, they wasn't really feeling him like that, you mm -hmm. know. But that, that comes with the territory. It so does. it's just like, when you really get into your purpose, it all changes, you know what I mean? Yeah, some people, they're going to turn away because it's like, you know, it, 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 they feel like it's, it's too demanding, too weighty you know, on us as, as people collectively and individually. So I, so I hear you. I just hope that we look at things that's going on right now in our country and, and stand up. I just want to hear somebody just say, I stand up for this. Like, Hey, that's not right. Hey, our, 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 um, our, our men and women, we, we're called to do X, Y, and Z, you know, they, they spin in the narrative on, on whether or not they should kneel, you know, at, you know, doing a national anthem, but I'm sitting up here like, do you know when 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 we did fight Great Britain? Did you did you know after the war was over? The war was two years. After the end of that two years, black people still went back to being property sold and lynched. And you know, do you? I mean, do you really know that? I mean, I looked at a special where they was, oh yeah, well the blacks, you know, they fought next to us and 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 because uh, you know some of the slaves was being um, propositioned by Great Britain to say, hey, if you fight with us, we'll free you. And then it right. said, you know, and then we had double spies. Some of the blacks were spying on Britain for for America. I said, but at the end of the day, they were still being raped. They were still being sold as property. They were still being molested. They were still being, you know, men raping men. It, it was still the same thing. That's where all this mess comes from. See, and we want to keep saying birth, about they uh, it a birth defect. That's what they called it. They called it a birth defect. Great, it's some greatness, but some fundamental flaws. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, and and, and one guy said, you know, uh, they had they had quote one one special I watched. They had a, a slave who they were quoted one of the slaves and said, you know, I'm like Joseph. You know, he wasn't mad at he wasn't mad at um, his oppressors after he got out of jail. He was. Like, I said. I said. I said. Let's, let's let's talk about Joseph. All right. <laughs> Joseph got out of jail. I said, "Why after slavery was about? Let me ask you: what, Was was Joseph was was Joseph put back in the chains? Was Joseph was Joseph still being hanged and lynched and lied to for years after? No, he was put on the throne. 
That was totally liberated. Exactly, he was exactly. It was a a totally, totally liberated man. And and these, and and so for you to say that as use as a comparison, I understand where you're coming from from the perspective of being the slave and not and not trying to carry that burden on with you the rest of your life. But at the end of the day, you keep trying to make us like we did something wrong. You are the oppressor. So tell me what what did the slave master have to say? What was his mindset? Cause we was only free on paper. We, you get what I'm saying? That that freedom really wasn't freedom because we were still being beat. They probably took all the clothes away, saying, "I own this, I own that. Get out of here." You know what I mean? It'll work for me for a penny a day. Who knows? Who knows how it went? But I know there wasn't no no nice and kind hearts down there, cause cause that's where Jim Crow came out of, was birthed out of. Right. So I know nothing was was great coming out of there. So when we really are ready to really really talk about it. And really swallow it and move on. I said I, at that point, I'll be ready to man. But uh, until then, man, I, I just have to look at it. Last, you know, I have to follow the Holy Spirit. A lot of this stuff is nothing but smoke and marriage going on right now in America. But that's all it is. That's exactly <laughs> all it is. Yeah, and, and 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 I don't want it to be where. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for doing this, man. Because it's, it's so much. We'll definitely, we'll definitely do it again. Absolutely. All right, man. Hey, love you, dude. All right, Chris. Love you all too. Y'all, y'all have a good day. All right. God bless.